Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. This episode of the Self Love Club is brought to you by Sugar Baby Beauty. Available at farmer's stores in New Zealand where you can get 20% off pot masks for the rest of May. Hello, hello and welcome to the Self Love Club, the podcast dedicated to chatting about stuff that matters, real talk and lols. I'm your host, Val Crawford, and this week we're joined by Jordana Levine, best-selling author, podcaster, manifesting queen and creator of Higher Love, which looks at love and relationships relationships from a different angle. We find out about Jordana and how to raise our vibration. What does that mean and how do you do it? Jordana breaks it down for us. We talk about finding what makes you happy and what you want to feel like in love. Tips for dating and using the apps, how to manifest the life and dreams you want and a stack of advice to help you going forward. Enjoy and make sure you click subscribe on Apple Podcasts, follow on Spotify. It helps us so much as an independent podcast to continue making you content. You can also leave us a five-star glowing review, share on your Instagram stories and tag us at Self Love Club Podcast. Jordana, welcome to the Self Love Club. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you, Belle. Thanks for having me. Now, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do. I always get stumped on this. I guess, first and foremost, um, I'm a writer, author. Um, My background is journalism, but I I spent like a 10-year career in journalism in in food publishing. So I used to write for Food Mags. Um, And then I kind of quit that, started working for myself and writing about the things that I really cared about. And it ended up being... I guess, spiritual things from a really practical perspective. Mm. Yeah, so that's kind of what I write about now. Yeah, because I guess a lot of people are into those kinds of things, and I always get really interested. The more woo-woo stuff we talk about on the podcast, people are actually really interested in it. When those of us that have always been into it, we've always found like maybe it's a bit strange and we should not hide it, but we're just like, oh, I didn't think people would actually be into it, you know? Yeah. And I think, look, I think the thing is that a lot of people get interested in spirituality or the woo-woo, but they don't really know how to apply it or make it relatable. So that's kind of where I kind of slide in. And how did you start doing that within your writing? I guess I've heard you speak about, you know, often with these kinds of books or people reading this kind of information, you don't really always finish the book. How did you go about, I guess, your skills as a writer, but you use your skills to be able to do it in a relatable way, right? Yeah, it's a good question. I I think my writing has always been really conversational. So I'd write in the same way we'd sit and have this conversation now. You know, it all sort of started out me explaining things to friends. Um, There was like an email sequence I started sending to friends about the moon and that grew into an event, which grew into um, pretty much the teachings in my first book, Make It Happen. And so I guess, yeah, just taking that really kind of conversational language that you would have at the pub with a mate and putting it into a book. So people feel like they're making a connection with you, the author, as if you were their friend. So talk us through your first book. I know it's very popular with people and you are known as the queen of manifesting. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, which is ridiculous. But yes, I am. Um, And it's called Make It Happen. Yeah, it's a book about manifestation. But I tried manifestation for a really long time, kind of based on, you know, the teachings in books like The Secret and Abraham Hicks. And all of that stuff's really great. But there's some integral parts of manifestation that those texts are missing. And it's the action piece. Like, it's the piece that that you play in it and your role um, and the responsibility that you take for making things happen in your life. I kind of break it down again in a really practical way that people were really able to identify with and it not just be this sort of like 
thoughts become things mantra that doesn't really lead anywhere. And I guess people can read your work to really delve deeper. But what yeah. are some of your tips in terms of manifesting and actually, like you say, making things happen rather than just thinking, I really want this one day and then sort of just waiting for it to happen sort of thing. So what are your yeah. top tips, I guess? Yeah, well, I mean, I guess the hot tips will boil down to the equation that I use in the book and I call it the manifestation equation. And basically it is thoughts plus feelings plus actions plus faith equals manifestation. And it's only when you have all four parts of that equation working together that manifestation actually becomes quite easeful. And what that looks like really briefly is having an intention of what you want to create in your life and asking yourself, are my thoughts aligned with that intention? Am I day-to-day feeling the way I feel I will feel when that intention manifests? Am I taking action steps? Like, am I actually physically doing the things that are going to get me closer to that intention? And then also the faith piece is having belief in yourself first and foremost, but also that there's a power greater than you that's working in your favor. So the world's not working against you, it's working with you. And I think the self-worth piece is a massive piece when it comes to manifestation Mm. because I think if listeners think right now of the areas of their life where they find it really easy to manifest, like for me, for example, it's work. I find it really easy to manifest at work. It's because I have quite a high level of self-worth when it comes to the work that I do. But then I think of the other areas of my life where I find manifestation a little trickier. And it's usually because our self-worth needs to be looked at in that area. We're lacking a little bit. So Mm. if you can identify where those pockets are, where you could put a little bit more self-love and self-care into raising your self-worth, you probably find that your manifesting efforts improve in that area as well. Yeah, so that just comes down to, I guess, working on those things, seeking out maybe help, whatever areas you're doubting yourself in, right? Yeah, and having a look at what your limiting beliefs are around why you think something isn't possible for you. And that's what it is. It comes down to knowing that you're deserving of something and really believing that it's possible. Yeah. Yeah. So when you wrote that book, tell us how that opportunity arose. I know that you were writing, you're working in journalism. What was that process like for you? It's something I aspire to doing one day. Mm. And it's just, I think for a lot of people, the idea of writing a book seems really intense. Like, how do you write all your thoughts and feelings into this one book, you know? <laughs> yeah, it, it is intense. I Look, I think I actually manifested that book deal. It came about in a really unusual way. A friend of mine had been talking to a publishing company and they ended up not taking her book. But she, just being a wonderful friend that she is, was like, well, I've got this friend who's got a great book proposal. Can I get her to send it through to you? And they said yes, and they loved it. They gave me eight weeks to write it because manifestation was in the zeitgeist and they like they were like we, we need this book out now and um you know you can't say no when someone's offering you a publishing deal so I was like sure yeah I sat down and, and wrote it in eight weeks and I mean look I think it's different for everybody but I've spoken to my publisher a lot since then and I think that's the best way to get the best work out of me is just to put me under a lot of pressure yeah and if you think about it like two months eight weeks isn't long but it is enough time to get everything out if you dedicate enough time to it. Like you say, I'm the same when I've had deadlines lately and you're like, I don't have time to finish this. Put a deadline on us. We'll get it done, you know. Um, and yeah. And yeah, and, and again, it's something you manifested. So you must be a pretty good manifest yourself and you share your tips yeah. and, your, and your tricks in your books and with us now. But what were some of your experiences with manifesting that led you to want to write about it and share it? Because you obviously got your own personal experiences. Yeah, absolutely. So So what it was is that I realized that uh, we're all manifesting every second of the day without even realizing it. And I, for a good part of my 20s, was manifesting a lot of crappy stuff. (laughs) I realized when I started to look at it all that that I had manifested it. It was really a reflection of my thought patterns, the vibrations I had, like what I was feeling the actions I was taking and and a really low level of self-worth. And so once I realized what was actually creating all this really shit stuff and that I actually had the ability to flip the script and start to manifest good stuff, I I really started to see the formula, the equation come to life. And Mm. I really just wanted to share that with people. 
Yeah. yeah. What kind of things, I think a lot of us will relate, what kind of things were you manifesting that, you know, the crap yeah. stuff in your 20s that I'm, I'm pretty sure I kind of have a vibe already and I've, I've heard you talk about your things <laughs> on other platforms, but what kind of things were you bringing in that you were mm. like, I don't want this? Shitty relationships, really toxic work environments. Like um, I had this, like I'd tell the story and make it happen. This like stream of narcissistic bosses and and they were just really, really horrible, horrible women, but they were, they were all teaching me a lesson. And it, you know, I was the common denominator with all of these women. Another thing I was manifesting a lot of physically was injuries. I was dislocating my shoulder all the time. I broke my foot. I was just not paying attention to life. Mm. And the universe was like, you know what, girl, like if you don't slow down, I'm going to break your foot and you're not going to be able to walk for, you know, however long it was, six weeks or something. What did you um, change? So, yeah. What did you flip? What did you, was it the power of your thinking? Um, look, that was definitely a component of it. It was the self-worth piece. I was attracting shitty relationships because I didn't think I was deserving of more than that. I was attracting narcissistic women at work because I let them trample all over me and I didn't think that I was worth more and I believed them when they told me that, you know, you're not enough or you can't do this. And when it came to injury, I wasn't listening to my body. My body was telling me I was burning out and I was still, you know, exercising three times a day and really kind of putting myself through the ringer. So it really is about the self-awareness piece and really taking the time to understand that unless you take responsibility for your life, things will keep happening to you. Mm. What sort of things did you start manifesting? I mean, a book deal, I'm sure a lot more better situations <laughs> in all areas of your life. Yeah, better relationships, better friendships, much better work environments. I mean, I started working for myself, yeah. so that was probably <laughs> a key factor in that one. But book deals, money, like money started coming in. I manifested a car twice in one year. Like a lot of, yeah, a lot of big things, holidays. But, you know, all of that sort of stuff is the material stuff. I think I think the stuff that really matters when we're manifesting is the things that we want to feel in our life. So things like abundance and freedom and peace and, you know, happiness, like joy, all those sorts of things. Mm. Talk us through yeah. how you got to the point of creating higher love and I'm sure that came from your own personal experiences and it's really hit a chord with a lot of people and I think you're right you sort of have broken down this I guess the barrier of like a lot of spiritual or woo-woo and it's I've listened to the podcast I've read the book or listened to the book it's not super woo-woo it's just common sense really no. when you think about it and I think people yeah that's the whole thing but where did you get to a point to I guess write that and come up with that concept yeah it's a good question I think the reason I got the idea was because there's a chapter in Make It Happen, which was my first book about manifesting love. And it really struck a chord with people. I went quite in depth into a long-term toxic relationship that I was in and how I got out of it and how I started to manifest better relationships once I was able to see through the clouds of that. And I thought, you know what, there's so much more to not that particular story, but to my love story and what I've learned over the years. And again, it all comes back to the self-awareness piece. And I thought about all of the teachings that were out there. Most of the dating books are written and love books are written by middle-aged men and they're marketed to women. And I just thought, well, that is bullshit. Like that is, that is just not on. <laughs> I wanted to write something that's not about rules for dating, not about, you know, what you need to change in yourself in order to catch a man, <laughs> but what you need to discover about yourself and how you need to work out how you want to feel in love and what lights you up before you even contemplate going out into the dating scene and finding someone to, you know, form a partnership with. Yeah. Like on the, in the podcast, Hi Love, I think it's episode six that you don't, you don't even start talking about dating until then, you know, which yeah. I, I love because yeah. I was like, yes, because you're right. So many things about you need to change this. You need to, this is this rule. I get that there's like, you know, things you need to be aware of when you're dating but you're right it's, it is all about you and what you want to feel like and I think that you spotted a gap because we're constantly thinking about what we're not and not what we are exactly exactly and not even contemplating how we want to feel when we're looking for someone else we're just you know all we're thinking is oh my god I hope he likes me or I hope she likes me and and not actually sitting back and going do I, do I like this person yeah <laughs> like are they fulfilling 
the things that I'm actually looking for. Um, and so, yeah, that was that was the reason I, I wrote that book. And um, I think it's working. I think it's resonating with people. Yeah. Talk us through your definition of a higher love. And I guess coming into that is higher vibrations and maybe explain that to people by what that means. Yeah, I guess in the book, the I, the premise of a higher love is a love, a love that lifts you up rather than a love that has you you know, falling in love. So we use this very dramatic language around love, like falling in love, desperate in love, crazy in love, (laughs) madly in love, all that sort of stuff. And it's like, oh no, we really should be feeling uplifted in love and and wanting to rise to love. So it's really kind of flipping the script around that. And also the, I guess the higher vibration, because I think I really like that. And again, people might think, and don't worry, people on the self-love club, they love the woo-woo. They go, they love it so much. (laughs) But um, no, we do, we love it all. But the higher vibration, what is that about? And is that sort of tie yeah. into your self-worth as well and how you want to feel? Absolutely. So in the first part of the book, it's all about recognizing and fine-tuning your own personal vibration. And that basically what that is, it's like working out how you feel when you feel like your most authentic self, when you feel really happy and confident and at ease. And for a lot of people, if they think about those moments in their life, it's when they're around certain friends or family members, or maybe when they're out in nature, but it's that moment, you know, where conversation flows, your posture is really good. You just kind of don't really question things. You're just kind of in the zone. And if you can work out the moments in your life where you're in spaces or, you know, attracting things that will strengthen that vibration and then have a look at the things in your life that are weakening that vibration and the idea is to do more of the things that strengthen it so that you can have this really strong radiant authenticity that starts to attract a similar partner towards you yeah because what happens when you have a higher vibration what is attracted to you like what you know do you then only bring in the good things for you and I guess not attract the things that aren't good for you well that is a really good question because I would like to say yes you only attract the good things but I think the more I live life and the older I get I think that sometimes you will attract the lessons that you need to learn and it's everything that's in your highest interest that Mm. you're attracting and it's based on the universal law so most people have heard of the law of attraction but the law of vibration states that everything in the universe vibrates on its own frequency and that things with a similar frequency are drawn together. So when you're vibrating at a strong personal vibration, that's like your authenticity amplified. The idea is that something or someone on a similar frequency is drawn to you and you're drawn to them. And what about when it comes to your dream job, you know, or anything, I guess when you raise your vibration, like you talked about in your experiences, if people are wanting to, I guess, live their dreams, whatever it is, whether it's jobs, love, anything in life that they want, if they work on raising their vibration, which is that self-care really? Is that how they do that? It's self-care. It's also asking yourself, how would having that dream job make me feel? And then trying to vibrate on the frequency of that emotion, of that feeling. And what that means is feeling it now before you have the dream job. So if having the dream job is going to make you feel accomplished or successful or abundant, thinking of ways that you can start to feel accomplished, successful and abundant right now, Mm. because what you're doing is vibrating on that frequency and you're going to draw more of the things that allow you to step into that frequency towards you. Yeah. And that dream job, yeah, is one of them. Yeah. So would that be your top, I mean, there's so many tips people can read into in your work, but would that be one of your top tips in terms of hiring your vibration? Is that like, what other ways can people do that? Yeah, look, I think there's so many ways. And I think it's really important to say that it is unrealistic to think that you can think positive thoughts all the time and totally be vibrating on a high frequency the whole time. No, not going to happen. But what you can do is come back to that personal vibration. Is this strengthening it? Is this weakening it? And trying to do more of the things that strengthen it. Knowing that you don't have to be in a strong vibration the whole time, but if you're constantly sitting in a weak vibration, it's just going to get shitter and shitter. So one of the examples I use is like, you know, when people know they're in a toxic work environment, like they know it's not good for them. They know they go home and they feel shit and it's affecting their friendships and their relationships and, you know, everything else starts to sort of crumble around them just because of this toxic work environment they're in. That is a really good case of 
you seeing awakening in your vibration and ignoring it, not doing anything about it. So some of the other things we can do, like I understand it's not realistic for everyone to just walk out of their job. It's going, okay, I've got to deal with this toxic work environment. So how can I supplement that? by doing more of the things that strengthen it. And it's different for everybody. I mean, I'd love to hear what it is for you, Belle. For me, it's things like being out in nature, hanging out with certain people, you know, having a sauna, going for a swim in the ocean, going for a bushwalk, you know, that sort of stuff. I've noticed you live in Byron and I'm like, oh, I've, I've been there once on holiday. Oh, it's so nice. <laughs> I don't live in Byron, yeah, obviously, but I do. I'm similar to you. Like I, I go for a walk on the beach every morning and, and it's having a coffee or seeing yeah, yeah. people that are good for you to be around. I'm quite silly. I think as you get older, you're a bit more selective about who you spend your time with, especially like you, when you work so much, you don't have a lot of free time, especially when you're working for yourself a lot more, which I've found myself doing um, which is great but your time oh you were doing a lot more than you used to and so yeah I (laughs) think well I've noticed that yeah and listening to your podcast as well made me think about the things that I want and the things make me feel good and yeah spending time with quality people that don't drain you you know like there's a lot of people that drain your energy and and that's not a I don't like that feeling and so I just avoid those situations a lot more now yeah absolutely yeah Yeah. I'm I'm hanging out with far less people than I used to (laughs) same I'm like but it's not a bad thing you know like I feel like my social life isn't that popping anymore but I feel like in your 20s you're going out and partying a lot more and not everyone does that and that's fine but I feel a lot better these days, even though we're a lot busier. Yeah. yeah, it's about it's about having boundaries, and I think you know you don't have to be woo woo to understand what boundaries are. It's preserving your energy yeah. in yeah. a way that makes you feel, uh, you know, it doesn't have to necessarily energize you, but not drain you and yeah. deplete you really hard to get on with the rest of life when you're feeling depleted. With Higher Love, and on the, we're talking yeah. about the podcast here, you did tell us about the process of that because you it's quite cool. You have yeah. other girls on there telling their stories, which I guess makes it very relatable to a lot of people. And, and then you can help them work through the process, which you learn along the way, right? It was such a funny process, that, that podcast, because we actually started recording it just before COVID hit. And then COVID hit and we were like, oh, fuck, like, how are you guys going to go out and date? Like, it was really quite complicated. But, you know, we sort of navigated dating in the time of COVID, which was quite interesting. It was good to take the teachings of higher love and get the girls who were all very different to each other in very different stages of their life, uh, put it into practice and see what happened, you know, and they all had very different experiences. Few of them found it quite challenging, which I think is, it's also important to be realistic about that. It's like this personal development work isn't always easy but the return is so much better than just like dating, you know, person after person after person, not really being conscious of, of how you're doing it. Yeah, I think a lot of us that are in the dating scene, uh, it's quite crap. Like, and I think yeah, after listening really to crap. after listening to your podcast, I'm not someone I was. I've been mostly in long term relationships, but you know, like last year I was with someone, but then this year I've been so busy on my own thing, and then I pop my head out occasionally to date. But now I'm like, after listening to High Love, I'm like, okay, I think I need to like go about this a bit differently because I'm yeah. I'm just I'm not really actively dating much, but. Uh, yeah, so I've learned a lot of stuff which I'll be using and, and going forward. The world of dating isn't great, but then I think by listening to yours, your work, I'm like, but that's not an excuse that like you can't bag it. Still to come on the show, we continue chatting about dating and relationships and get down to the nitty gritty with tips on how to best use the apps, the importance in rest and self-care when it comes to our vibration and a stack of helpful advice for you to smash your dreams. But first, a message from this week's sponsor, Sugar Baby Beauty. You'll know Sugar Baby for their iconic self-tan products. They've had a refresh and have added face skincare treatments, all dermatologically tested, clean, kind, and vegan. There's four pot masks, perfect for taking care of your skin through any season. You can use them up to three times a week or a weekly skin treatment like I do. My favorite, It's All Bright, a 24-karat gold gel recovery mask. It's like gold sparkly jelly to soothe, hydrate, and glow. Affirmation to perfect plant 
plump and firm with peptides, knock your cells off to purge and polish, and say hello to Glow. A detoxifying pink clay mask, it's so pretty, to invigorate, purify and polish. For the rest of the May, get 20% off pot masks at farmer's stores in New Zealand. And there's a range of biodegradable sheet masks. Sugar Baby self-tanning products have a base of tropical coconut extracts and Australian botanicals to nourish skin. Thanks so much to Sugar Baby for making this episode of the Self Love Club possible. It is what it is and there's some great things out there and I think that's something I took away rather than saying it's a shit show because it is, but there's a lot of good things as well and that's kind of changed my mentality a little bit. Realistically, in your 20s, and you've probably got you've probably got listeners in their 20s listening to yeah. this, but it's a lot easier to meet people in your 20s. You're out a lot more. There's like huge social gatherings. Like, I don't know about you, but right now it's like dinner of three of my girlfriends. Like it's impossible to meet people. You know, it's very different setup in your 30s. Realistically, if you want to meet someone, you actually have to date and and you have to treat it as a, a process of finding someone to spend time with and yeah a lot of the time it feels like an interview but but that's the reality that's the reality of dating yeah no you're so right I think I still hang on to this idea of I'm just gonna meet someone which could happen I'm just gonna meet someone magically out and about but my life I'm not out and about in that sense anymore like we're working everyone's got their own lives and you know we're chasing our careers or when you do see your friends they don't really have anyone to set you up with anymore because everyone's married or like onto (laughs) onto a divorce or something you know so and I'm only 32 so it's um so it's funny but yeah you're right you do have to put yourself out there a bit and that's something it's not a lack of confidence thing for me it's just I'm very funny about people wasting my time and my time is precious it's exhausting so I don't see yeah and not even with (laughs) dating and my dad says it to me too he's like you're quite fussy which I don't think is a bad thing but I'm just Mm -hmm. very particular about my time and if someone wastes my time that's one of the worst things ever that someone could do just wasting my precious time um yeah really annoys me so but you've got to get over that to put yourself out there right right and I think you know like are we, are we talking about apps? Like, is that how you're dating? Dating through dating apps? Yeah. Well, I, I've recently gone on Hinge and I've been back on Bumble and it's been actually not that, it's been great. Like, I haven't actually gone out yeah. on dates yet, but it's getting to that point with a couple of people where that will happen soon. I've just ha- recently had surgery, so I haven't been able to do that. Oh, that's right. And there was a guy that, um, there was a guy I was chatting to previously, but I decided not to continue that further. I just had some gut feelings and then I found out some information. So I was like, nah. And then you just, I think you, you get better at cutting things a bit sooner. Yeah. You just, yeah, you and spot I think, things a bit more. Yeah. And I think that's what's so good about dating apps is you can kind of vet them to see whether it's going to be a waste of your time before you actually invest in the date. Yeah. a bit you know and I, and that's not always a foolproof formula I've definitely thought I vetted them and then found out I didn't on the on date one but yeah you know there are lots of ways to kind of get a few kind of communication things out of the way before you have to invest in actually sitting across the table from them what are some of your tips with that with I guess the vetting without it doesn't need to be a full-on thing but one thing I know especially on like Bumble if I want a relationship which I do and with the right person I, I think that's the thing a lot of people I think with single people especially women they'll be like oh they're desperate and it's like no 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 I think a lot of the reason that a lot of us are single is because we don't settle like I could have had other boyfriends definitely by now um you know I just have chosen I didn't want that and I want to I want to wait for the right person um yeah but with like Bumble for example you can there's filters and you can say in a relationship so for me now I don't want to chat to people who don't know what they want. I'm like, Kevin, you're 39. What, are you, you what do you mean you don't know what you want? Like, sort it out, mate. You yeah. know? So I don't it's waste my time chatting to people who don't want children, uh, don't want a relationship. What's the point, you know? Yeah. And I, yeah, you bang on. I think the best thing you can do for yourself if you're looking for a relationship and you're on a dating app is to tell the truth and be authentic and be upfront. And, you know, you don't have to lay all your cards on the table in the first um, conversation that you have, but you're right. There's filters there to filter out the people that you don't want to attract. And that's on you as well. When you're swiping, you know, don't swipe for the guy that says he doesn't know what he wants. (laughs) If you want a relationship, because that's your fault, you know, like that's your responsibility. Yeah. Um, I think also, you know, like when you're setting up your profile, make sure the person that your profile reflects is you. I was dating, chatting to this guy a while ago and 
you know, his photos, they would have been about five or six years old. I think guys think that they don't age, but they do. Yeah, and, I had this um, a while ago I, too. <laughs> yeah, and I just got a bit of a shock, I guess, when I saw him in the flesh. And I, I think women do it a lot as well. It's like you want to represent the person that you are because if you're going to meet them eventually, you, you want to be putting your best foot forward. Yeah. And I think by putting up a photo with a heavy filter or putting up a photo from five years ago it is not actually doing you any favours. I think in your bio... Also, you know, you don't have to say, I want babies in the next six months. Like, no. you don't have to say any of that. But just kind of giving an actual taster of who you are and what you enjoy because that's that's the only chance that you get to emit your vibration through the app is through those photos and through your bio. Yeah. And then, yes, you can start to charm them with some conversation. But, you know, before that, that's what you've got. So make the most of it. Yeah, and I've heard you talk about on your and your book and everything, you talk about about not to post too many selfies and, you know, like you say, Mm. a fair representation of you. So what would be a suggestion of the types of photos or, you know, how many should you be posting? I don't know if number's an issue. I think you should post more than one. And yeah. maybe more than two, Definitely, maybe like yeah. three, three to five photos. Yeah. Um, I think of you in your natural habitat is always really good. Not in big group photos. I find that so confusing when guys put <laughs> photos up and I don't know which one they are. It's really confusing. I know it sounds terrible. I just, I just get a little bit disappointed when I'm like, damn, your friend's hot. And then it's like not them. And I feel really mean, but I'm like, oh, where's he? Like, you but know. also, why would you put up a photo of you with a hot friend? Like, that's yeah. just silly. I know. Yeah. I've actually been on a I've actually been on a date with a guy and I thought because he had three photos and it was him and this other guy the whole time like they were all him and his best mate and I actually thought it was the other guy I got such a fright when I turned up <laughs> you're like did you catfish me with your friends <laughs> yeah, yeah so weird not too many selfies you and your natural habitat so you like um on a holiday or you know in the bush or whatever it might be I think a full body shot is important as well I didn't used to do this, but I surveyed a lot of people when I wrote the book and guys and girls both said that they want full body shots. It's not about like judging someone on their body, but it's just about, again, having a really accurate representation of who you are. Because I think, you know, when everything's shot from up here, you don't really know who's turning up to the date. And I just think, yeah, there's a level of superficiality to it, but we're all kidding ourselves if we don't think we're judging people on their photos when we're swiping Well, they're they're appearance-based apps, which is the thing I don't really like about it because I don't like it. Another thing for me, I really don't like it when guys especially when you're getting to late 20s 30s they'll want to add you on your Instagram no like get to know me properly and I this is uh, a guy I was dating recently he really wanted to add me on he's like why haven't you accepted my request on Facebook I was like you're getting to know me better now I don't post on Facebook and I don't know you so it was just a really he didn't really respect boundaries um so I would prefer that they text you like hello you're an adult you know so is that another thing that you would recommend staying off guys do that they'll instantly be on your Instagram and and they're getting to know you and I think they're not getting to know necessarily a real version of you not that you're putting a fake version out but they're making up their own mind about you which I don't like I don't like it either um look I think it's different for everybody but if that's a boundary of yours I would make that clear I always ask people not to google me which probably makes them google me let's be honest but I don't like the idea of them framing a picture of who they're turning up to date like I actually had a few guys ask me about the titles of the books I published because I say writer on my profile I'll never tell them I mean they can always figure it out they figure it out they google my first name yeah but like the idea of someone learning about me through my books and not learning about me through me telling them is just icky I mean you know like I'm not putting up a false image of myself but it's if it's your work I don't turn up to your work and just lurk around finding out about you you know those of us who work in the online space I just think it's rude and it's not that we have anything to hide I would just I love when people actually get to know me and, and likewise I really want to get to know someone through conversation. Yeah. 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 I think it's just about knowing your own boundaries and your own values in relationships and making sure that you're adhering to them and that you're conversing with people who have similar values, you know? I think that's what's most important. And what about some other tips and maybe mistakes people 
people make. Again, there's no right or wrong way to do it, but you know, like how long should you be spending on the apps a day, like messaging wise, before you actually go on dates? And even I've, I want to talk to you as well about the types of dates because coffee or <laughs> drinks and or dinner. Yeah, yeah. How long should we be spending on these apps? I think, and this is something that came up because I don't spend a lot of time on them, but when I was doing the podcast Higher Love, some of the girls were on there all day, like using it like you'd use Instagram or Facebook. And I just know, I think (laughs) the max amount of time is 10 minutes at a time. You can do it 10 minutes in the morning, 10 minutes in the afternoon, and that's it. Yeah. I think that's enough. If you start chatting to someone, that is up to you. I wouldn't I personally don't chat with someone for more than three days because I just think, what's the point? I'll take it to a phone conversation or out on a date. I just, I don't want a pen pal, you know? And I think three days is enough time to get to know somebody. So that's, that. I mean, that's my rule though, but it's different. It's different for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, communication's so important to me. So if they're not communicating with me in those first few days properly, then I'm not going to waste my time on and them. And they're not really that interested, are they? Otherwise they would message you. No. Because I just got asked by this guy I've been chatting to for only a couple of days, which is good. He seems really nice. He suggested a coffee, which I heard you'd be like oh but I feel the same I'm like but then I don't know yeah a coffee or a drink or a dinner what do you think about different dates I was probably a bit harsh on coffees in the book but (laughs) I actually think they're not so bad I just feel like coffees are a really safe bet um it's a way I think it's a bit of a cheap date I gotta say no like a four dollar coffee (laughs) four dollar coffee but I do also think that if you're not sure about someone it is a really nice way to just kind of test the waters. And it's not a reflection on you if you said yeah, that. That's, that's probably just a reflection yeah, on Yeah, when him, I heard that, know? I was like, does that mean he doesn't, he's not sure about me? But that's my own issue. Like, not that I have issues with but that. But he's probably but, yeah. not sure about anybody, you yeah. know? I think, and, and I think that's understandable, especially if you've been dating for a while. It's like, oh God, I can't take every girl out for dinner. You know, like, that's a lot. And look, I've got to say, most coffee dates I've been on have either turned into lunch or dinner or there's yeah, been a second same date pretty soon after yeah and I think sometimes people need a little bit more lubrication than caffeine you know so a a drink usually comes soon after and what about one last thing on the apps what about your bio because the good thing with hinge is it kind of makes it easy because it has prompts I've got to make a major confession and I'm I'm about to fix it I don't write anything on my bumble bio which I know is so bad I just didn't know what to write I know it's so bad and I've since listened to the podcast I've sort of thought about it and I have a better idea but what kind of things should we be writing in there and I think a lot of people don't a lot of people don't write things in there especially girls I think I've heard that a lot of girls yeah I've I've got to spend time looking at women's profiles like I just don't do that but I think I think I should I don't like and this is just me personally and I think it's just because I'm a writer I don't like the prompt questions in hinge because I feel like it's a bit of bit of a cop out you know like I don't really get to know someone properly through those prop questions but when you're creating your own bio look I think it's just it's got to be reflective of your personality so it could be things you like it could be things you're looking for it could just be a funny sentence it could be yeah anything that sort of reflects who you are so like what do you think your what do you think your strong suits are when it comes to dating like if you think that you're witty or you think that you know you're a bit of a foodie or you think you know you love to go on adventures whatever it might be sort of using that to craft it and also thinking about what you like to read in someone else's profile yeah and thinking oh why do I like that like why does that speak to me and sort of thinking okay well how can I shape that to sort of um craft a bio about about me Mm. I only recently jumped on so don't worry um it hasn't been like that for a long time I don't (laughs) I don't use a lot of the apps often and then that's okay where are you in New Zealand yeah okay dating's it's hard to meet people in real life over here honestly it's I think is it I just think um I don't go out drinking much anymore and when I do like you it's for dinner with friends and I think COVID as well changed a lot of things last year like we're going out but it's different and well I was with someone so that was probably a big reason I was you know 
last year, you know, I was sort of tied up, so I wasn't really yeah. actively with it. But I don't go out all the time and talk to random dudes, which maybe I should. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, I don't know. yeah, I mean, maybe you should, but you're right. Like, there's I've been not busy, as many like, opportunities yeah. anymore. And I don't know what it's like in New Zealand, but here there's still restrictions in yeah. bars in terms of like standing and all of this sort of stuff. You got to be seated the whole time. It's just, it's a bit complicated. Yeah, I think there's that, but I also feel like the last year everyone's been playing catch up and everyone's just doing a million things or a lot of us are resting in our downtime because we're exhausted because we've had to work so much extra so I think it's definitely had I think it's definitely impacted it and during COVID I managed to keep dating someone and I was watching even my housemate he was going on like video virtual dates it was really cute so I I really admired everyone else doing it but I gotta admit at the start of the COVID lockdown I was relieved that I didn't have to go on dates even though it was with one person that I was dating I was like oh I don't have to go on any more dates I don't have to think of excuses you know I actually really liked the Zoom dates. I found them fun. Like, I'd continue them now. Really? There's something about, like, being in your own like space and yeah. like just feeling really comfortable yeah. and I don't know I didn't hate it I kind of liked it <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah what are some common dating mistakes that people make from what you've witnessed and I guess the girls that you learned their experiences through the podcast and your own as well yeah I think the biggest mistake is trying to be the person that you think this person needs you to be and not really thinking about what it is that you want I think that's the biggest mistake that women make and you know what guys do it too and it's completely subconscious so really really trying to bring dating into the conscious mind and doing it with intention is something that you should be striving for Mm. and and not going in there blindly another mistake that people make I think is not getting clear on how it is they want to feel and what their values are in love. I mean, I didn't know what my values were until I wrote the book and had to sit down and write them. Um, so that's really important. And I think, you know, big a big thing that I talk about in the book, and we're all guilty of it, and I mean, I know you are because you just told me you are, and I definitely am, is the love story that we've written for ourselves based on what we see in the movies and what we read in books and how we think love's meant to show up for us. You know, a chance encounter at the corner store or, yeah. you know, at my best friend's wedding or whatever it might be. Oh, that and would we're just be so nice, it. wouldn't it? I wouldn't just, it be lovely? I would just love it <laughs> because I, I also like the idea of, and I, and this is where I think you've really made it better in a way because I think people shouldn't go looking for love. You know, you're not trying to find a boyfriend. They will find you. But then, no, you both have to look for each other because, yeah. Yeah, there's, it's, look, it's like manifestation. It's a dance between action and surrender. You need to surrender to the idea that the right kind of love will be attracted to you and you to it. But at the same time, you need to be active in your own life. You need to be taking action and responsibility for what it is that you want. So if you're trying to meet someone and you don't leave the house, how's that going to happen for you? <laughs> That's you know, me. like. That is yeah. me. <laughs> it's a lot of women. It's a lot of women. You know, it's also, oh, it's so hard. Like if I could talk to my 16-year-old self, I would say, hey, there's not one way to fall in love. And yeah, a bunch of your friends are going to stay with their high school boyfriends and get married and that's okay. But that's not necessarily the narrative of love and you don't have to stick by that. And I think we're all sort of consumed by these social constructs of what love looks like. And yes, unfortunately, women have biological clocks and we need to be thinking about having babies by a certain time. But life doesn't always work out like that. Mm. And we've got to be open to it appearing in different ways. And that's the key to manifestation. You can't always dictate how what you want is going to show up for you. You need to trust that the universe will look after that for you. So put it out there. Yeah. Put it into action. Vibration of love. Know how you want to feel in love, but how it comes, the specifics of how it shows up, that's not your problem. You don't have to worry about that. Mm, Yeah. And I also do like how you highlighted the fact that, you know, the woman that you featured and even yourself, they're great women and they're and there are a lot of great women and men that are single. And and again, yeah. society looks down on people like, oh, why are you still single, you know? Yeah, what is wrong with you? But <laughs> there's not, like, the women that you had on, they're all amazing, you know, and they've all had they're different things. They're all amazing. Thing- all had different things happen in their life I think a big thing as well it just hasn't been the right person yet for they've had people for a certain time and then it hasn't been the right next person and I think people need to stop looking down on single people because a lot of people are single because they don't settle 
and a lot of people who are in relationships have settled. I've got a lot of friends that panicked and settled and then they're like, I need to have kids. I agree. And I think, no, it's true. And and women to women, we need to stop thinking, why hasn't someone chosen her yet? And really understand that the reason that a lot of women are single is because they haven't, like you said, they haven't found someone who they want to settle with. And and it's as simple as that. And we shouldn't look down on that. We should really, we should really respect it. Yeah, you're so right. We've talked about so much. And just to wrap up, up, like you talked about the advice you would give your younger self. Is there any yeah. other advice you would give yourself when you were younger, knowing what you know now? Yeah, it would really be just to not compromise me for someone else. And I think that works for manifestation and for higher love. Your self-worth and your self-awareness is key to accessing lots of different things in your life and creating opportunities for you. And if I knew that from the get-go, I wouldn't have sacrificed my own self-worth for other people. I would have had more self-awareness as I was moving through different things in my life, whether it was toxic work environments or toxic relationships. And yeah, that sort of stuff comes with growth. But if I could have told myself that as a little secret on the side to my younger self, I think life would have probably been a lot easier. Yeah, you're so right. I feel like I know it's all growth and learning, but I even thought the other day, I was like, I feel like I wasted a lot of time even though it's not wasted because you learn the lessons but we waste a lot of time worrying about things that didn't matter or just not loving life because you were worried about these things a dumb boy or something that wasn't working out you know and through that you've given us advice for others but what is some advice you would like to share with those listening whether it be to do with finding a higher love or just in life in general what would you like to share with them you know what it's actually the same piece of advice it's self-awareness we talk a lot about self-love I mean your podcast is about self-love and about self-care but really really just having an awareness of who you are and what you want will open up so many doors for you. And that is about reflecting on things as they come up, learning lessons as mistakes happen or, um, you know, experiences arise in your life and really reflecting on what you learned, how you're going to grow and how you cannot make the same mistake again will actually change your life for the better more than personal development, self-help, you know, signing up to a million courses ever will. <laughs> yeah. And just quickly, what are some of your go-to self-care practices? I know you've spoken about some of the things you like doing that raise your vibration. So what are the ways you look after yourself? i got to say the biggest one for me is rest. I, I always felt so lazy and guilty when I was resting, but I rest a lot now. That has probably been the most transformational self-care practice in my life. And when I say rest, I mean physically lying down and doing nothing for a period of time in the afternoon. And it, it is actually a reset. It's a recharge. And I found that I have more mental energy and more physical energy. Yeah. So I would say that's probably my biggest one. Yeah. Yeah. I got to agree with you. I think are you an, are you probably an A-type go-getter personality and yeah, I think absolutely. a lot of us the way we were raised as well you know our parents were really hard working and no you've got to keep going and you know you need to be doing things all the time I think it's that productivity thing I'm the same as you when I rest I come back stronger and clearer and I'm faster whereas when I'm working long relentless hours which we have to do when we work for ourselves a lot like it's just part of it you're doing so many things and wearing a lot of hats but you become tired and grumpy and slow yeah. and it's just I've, I'm the same as you and after having my time recovering from having oral surgery I'm like I gotta keep this rest thing up because it's interesting how you're able to rest when you're recovering or healing from something physical but when it's just a workload that's really heavy yeah. you don't really respect that and people don't respect your boundaries either which I have to be so firm on because people just don't get it <laughs> yeah. it's so true and I think the key to rest is consistency so you can't just rest when you're burnt out or you can't just rest after a big week you need to to rest in the big week so that you can get through the big week yeah you know so that's been the lesson for me and I I know that um I don't know if you know much about human design yeah but I, I I had mine yeah, done so last I'm, year what are you what what are you I'm a what are you a projector <laughs> Yeah, same. I'm a projector. Yeah, I was we have say, to rest. Yeah. So it's a huge part of our en- like of restoring energy levels is rest. Yeah. I know. Um, I got told as through someone I had on the podcast as well, and she said that you know working in little increments and then having rest. And I actually find that I do work well that way. Even though for me, my mentality, or I guess for most of us, we've been trained to sit at a desk and work for like a whole day, right? And if I don't, I feel like I'm almost Absolutely. being a bit. I feel like I'm being naughty if I take some hours or time. 
off to have a quick nap or just have a break. Yeah. Yeah. But the, the level in productivity is so much greater. Like I remember working in an office, you know, doing, I'd like to say eight hours, but it was realistically more like 10, 11 hours a day. And um, I actually don't know how I did it because I wasn't producing the kind of work I produce now. And I now work, I write for about two to three hours in the morning. I rest most of the day. And then I might write a little bit in the afternoon. Wow. And that's my write, that's my writing day. And I get through so much, you Good know, you. so once you start prioritizing the rest and seeing the effect that it has on you, you'll see that there's actually all these hours that you're not actually using properly. Yeah. So they're kind of just a waste of time. It's like, yeah. yeah, you're too tired to be really productive. I just, I still need to work on the guilt of not always working. Yes. Um, that's yeah. something I need to and work that's, on. That's a legitimate how did thing. You, how yeah, did you work sure. on that? How did you sort of get past not feeling guilty if you're not working all the time, even though you're working a lot? I've actually, my best friend's also a projector and we work alongside each other quite a bit and so if she rests I rest and we just don't feel guilty about it I also don't have a lot of people in my life who don't understand that rest is important I seem to have surrounded myself with people who get it like socializing is also exerting energy so it's being really conscious for me saying you know my boundaries are you've already been out for lunch today so yeah. you can't actually meet a friend for dinner and not feeling guilty about that I no. feel like most of my friends are pretty understanding oh no I can do that easily it's just the work thing because I end up wanting I end up giving people advice and like and helping them with things and I'm like oh I gotta stop doing that I'm so drained you know yeah yeah <laughs> even though you yeah. want to help people what are you working on at the moment what do you want to do next what are you manifesting for yourself <sighs> well I <laughs> I started writing a fiction book which I've never written before so um little bit different to what I've I've written in the past. It's nice writing about other people, you know, like not about myself. But in saying that, I've actually just been asked to write another nonfiction. So there'll be one more book coming out and then hopefully a story, a novel from well me. Well done. That's so cool. Yeah. That's it. That's so no, well done. That's that's amazing. It's like so impressive and you should be so proud of yourself. How do you find with when you're dating people when they find out what you write about? And if if they don't like it, then that's that's like doing <laughs> you a favor you're like see ya you know like why waste yeah. your time with them but how does how does that sort of fit in do they do they like it or do they find it a bit like interesting uh well I mean I'm lucky in the respect that I only ever write about the one thing once so you know I wrote about manifestation the first time wrote about love the second time will not write about love again ah. but yes when I was writing higher love it was fucking tricky because I yeah I was dating and they knew they were going to end up in it and a lot of guys didn't like that I tried not to tell them like I really tried sometimes if I'd gotten it quite far in, I, I had to be honest with them about it. And yeah, a lot of them were not stoked about it. <laughs> I have to be honest. But also if they don't do the shitty thing, then you don't write about it. It's like Taylor Swift exactly. talks about and writing songs about guys. And then people were like, oh, do they, do you think people aren't going to want to date you? This is back in the day. And it's like, well, maybe they shouldn't do the things. Like, don't blame me if they're doing the things. I'm just telling the story, you know? Hey, thank you so much for your time. I so appreciate it. I know you're very busy and yeah, I really appreciate you taking the time. I know people are going to love this so much. Um, so yeah, thank you so much. Oh, thanks, Belle. It's been really fun. Thank you so much to Sugar Baby Beauty for making this episode of the Self Love Club possible. Find all of the self-tanning and skincare products at farmers stores across New Zealand. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Self Love Club podcast. If this is your first time listening, welcome. We're an independent podcast and you can support us by subscribing on your go-to podcast app. Click follow on Spotify. Leave a five-star glowing review. Show us where you're listening. Maybe you're out for a pretty walk. Uh, Or screenshot and post on your Instagram story and tag us in it at Self Love Club podcast so we can see and share. Share with your friends, sisters, workmates, everyone down into our backlog and enjoy listening. You can find us and follow at Self Love Club Podcast. I'm Abel Crawford and we'll catch you soon. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.